Welcome. You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you could join us. Welcome. We're here today with Dr. Jeanette Pepper, Associate Professor and Coordinator of Student Diversity and Inclusion at Southern College of Optometry, and Dr. Mary Hong, Assistant Professor at uh, SEO as well. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for having us. Glad to be here. Uh, Dr. Pepper, let's start with you. Uh, we've talked before about the the, the relatively recent um, coordinated effort in, in terms of student diversity and inclusion. With the conversations and the incidents of uh, anti-Asian bias um, and, and violence that we're seeing, how has that conversation begun to change at SEO? Um, that's a great question. And um, one thing that we're seeing is that um, there is a more intense um, atmosphere surrounding um, the Asian population as far as the increase in um, anti-racism or racist acts against that population. Um, What we are also seeing is a more heightened um, um, desire to speak out against it. Whereas since the coronavirus has occurred, we've we've, um, heard bits and pieces here and there of anti-race, anti-Asian racism, but it came to a tipping point um, in the, with the events that occurred in Georgia. And so now it's a more um, intentional and um, direct response to say, hey, we are against this. Let's talk about it and see what steps we can take to support um, those that identify as um, AAPI. Dr. Hong, um, college and university campuses are probably, feel like they should be at least, uh, safe spaces. And, and how, how does it feel uh, to be um, of, of Asian descent in this environment, uh, not just at, at SEO, but just generally at this time in America? That's a great question. So as far as when I'm at SEO and at work, I think that SEO does a fantastic job with security and just making everyone feel welcome and safe. Now, when I'm navigating my day-to-day life, so for example, my husband and I, we, we usually, because of coronavirus, uh, we, we canceled our gym memberships. And so to get exercise, we, we've always walked, but now we do it more frequently because that's our main form of exercise. And I have noticed since COVID that there's definitely a very large disparity in responses to us when we're going on our walks. So my husband is also Asian. And so from our perspective, there's there's usually two responses. So it's either uh, neighbors refusing to make eye contact and 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 being very outward in avoiding us during our walks. 
and, and this is a much more exaggerated way of how it used to be before COVID. Or mm. the flip side is having people in our neighborhood being overly nice. And so that was a, an interesting change because these are people that we have maybe encountered before during our walks. And, and now, you know, after years of not really acknowledging us, they're going out of our, their ways to say, hi, or how are you doing? So, so those are just small things that I've, I've noticed in, in my interactions, just being out in public. Uh, I will say that, again, because of COVID, my interactions have been very, very limited. So my day-to-day is probably a, a lot different than someone else who may have to, um, you know, go in and maybe work at a job where they're dealing with way more of the public. And so I typically, I'm at home or I'm at work and, and my husband and I were social distancing for the rest of the time. And so that might not be the same experience as everyone else is experiencing as well. Do students look to you for guidance or modeling or... You know, do they talk to you about this? Dr. Pepper and I, we recently had a, a forum with all of our students who identified as API to just kind of give them a space to share what their thoughts were, any concerns that they may have, and if they have experienced certain uh, acts of aggressions or things like that. For, for, there be, for there to be a, a sense of community and a space to share these things, it wasn't recorded. There, there wasn't any, you know, there, there wasn't any um, record of it. It's just for them to kind of have a space. And, and in that forum, uh, and that was uh, after the Atlanta shootings, I, I think the students feel more comfortable in, a, in being able to share. I think that as... Asians in general, um, and of course, this is generalizing a lot of different countries. But as a whole, we're not a very uh, verbally expressive type of community where if we're going through a certain plight or having difficulties that we readily share these things. So for these students to show up, and be vocal and share, I thought was a huge step in, in kind of breaking that cycle of silence. Absolutely. And may I add, I was impressed with their courage in speaking up and saying something when it's more encouraged or and historically it had been encouraged to say less put your head down and do work. Because until we hear your voice, we won't know how it affects you and what ways we can help you um, navigate through this challenging time. So I was really impressed with, with that. How different does this feel, uh, Dr. Pepper, compared to the, the BLM marches of, of last summer? I mean, it's been a very volatile year. 
um, in addition to COVID, all of these racial issues rise. And, and you know, it, it's what you were just saying, uh, Dr. Hong, about a, 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 rel- a, a community that tends to be relatively quiet. Um, and then the, the, the BLM that was definitely about showing up and and being there and and having your signs and things like that does does it feel different does it feel complementary what what kind of mm-hmm. parallels are there well i think um with the the black lives matter movement when that occurred um heightened from last summer or last the late spring summer um the, the as a African American female, I was going through my own trauma <laughs> while those things were going on, and still trying to show up and you know be there for and teach for students. And um, as far as the level of support, um, we saw members of the. Um, Asian community stand right up there with us hand in hand and saying, no, this is wrong. We need to change how we do things. So that was definitely, so that was, that was, um, that gave us um, energy to keep moving, seeing some others that don't look like us, that we don't have to carry this burden all by ourselves. Um, One of the contrasting things is that in what I have found, or I'll say this, one of the, another parallel is a feeling of either exhaustion or hopelessness that what can you do? This problem is so big. What does my voice, how does it even move a ripple in this sea of, 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 of hate? And so the exacerb the, the exhaustion that it, that comes from that, um, I saw it in the faces of my students when we had the forum. And I, I, I connected with that and I remember that feeling and I still have it because right now we have the, the police officer for George Floyd, that's going on in the background. And so I, I, I connect with that. I think for, um, the students that identify as black, they just needed a safe space to say what they felt, okay? And they were gonna say it. With um, the, the, the Asian community at our college, it was, is it okay to say something? Um, and when they felt that it was okay, they did, but it wasn't a mad dash to, to, to say anything. And I think, one of the common things is just holding space for where people are right now. And everybody is in a different place in their journey. And as long as you say that I see you and if and I'm here if you need support, that um, move or that helped in not ignoring it as it had been for other incidents of anti-Asian racism. But now that we've said something, it was almost as if it was a sigh of relief that it had been said. So I think a common thing is being seen 
and acknowledged. And even though we don't have all the answers, our, our attention is not diverted into just doing the work, but hey, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's what your neighbors are trying to say in a, in a, in an unusual way or in a, in a way that they're perhaps not comfortable with Dr. Hong? Oh, 1000%. I think that these neighbors are trying to reaffirm this sense of community and just, um, Hey, you're welcome. And Hey, sorry, this wasn't done before, but we're making an effort now. And I, and I definitely see it. I definitely see more smiles than, um, the, former description of avoidance. And and so for me, for our neighborhood, I, I love where we live. I love the community that we live in. So, but these are just, just small microaggressions that I've observed in my experiences in daily life. How does that undercurrent of, of microaggressions or, or full-on aggressions impact students. I mean, this is, this is an important time in their education, you know, is, is, and, and you're giving them the safe space to talk. Um, is, do they need that? Don't think that in my discussions with any of the students, they particularly had specific instances of anyone being outwardly aggressive towards them. I think the big concern is the fact that due to the extensive, and rightly deserved so, media coverage of the racist and and the um, anti-AAPI hate that, that we're getting now in the media, I think that there is a general heightened sense of awareness that I could be doing my normal day-to-day routine, and something could happen to me. I could be driving my car, going to and from work or the grocery store, and something bad could happen to me. I could be at my place of work. I could be walking to church, and something happened to me. So I think the concern is not, hey, this instance or this situation happened to me recently, but more so I am very worried that it could happen to me because you hear of these instances occurring through just doing your mundane, normal day-to-day life activities. That is such a great point, Dr. Hong. And I know the students, and this is something I hadn't thought about until we had that forum, but the students talked about being concerned for loved ones and their family members, their younger siblings that are in school or their older um, matriarch patriarchs who are doing their day-to-day mundane activities, that it's because it's so random, it, it, it the anxiety is higher. I'd like to also echo what Dr. Pepper said as far as it, it, it is heightened and not only for yourself, but also because it is such a close-knit 
community. They're very strong family bonds. And, and so, yes, it's not just a worry for yourself or what could happen to you, but loved ones as well, especially loved ones that may work in a predominantly Asian uh, place of work. That is definitely a higher sense of concern. Even for me, I have family members who work in very predominant and stereotypical um, Asian type of jobs. And, and that is definitely a concern of mine is, can they safely go to work and just earn a living? Is that, is that something that we need to be uh, particularly I guess this is something that we need to be overtly defensive about now. And how does that play out? I mean, how how do you how do you get up and put your shoes on and walk out the door with with that um, cloud? You know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure history really has a lesson for us in that, although obviously these these issues are as old as time, but um, which also makes them discouraging. And, and as you had mentioned earlier, Dr. Pepper, makes you say, you know, where do we start? Um, I, I think one of the things is what we're doing now, which is bringing awareness, bringing a increasing the consciousness of this is what this community is going through. How can we, what, now that we know that, how can we help? Um, I think um, in underrepresented minorities, sometimes when we say, hey, this is an injustice to this group of people or that group of people, sometimes it's dismissed as you guys, this group is just being sensitive or they always want to pull the race card or you just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. However, and I know, I think um, there have been folks that say, well, how can you pull yourself up by your bootstraps when you're not even given a boot? And when your life is totally different than someone else, it doesn't mean that their experiences is not valid. It just means it's different than yours. But the beauty of this, even though there's a lot of bad things that have happened, the beauty of it is we are so much more aware of these issues that are um, the that are part of the AAPI community that um, we're able to have more empathy and we're able to say, hey, our, um, our student needs help in this or our uh, fa faculty member needs help in this or you know what, if we're a bystander in the grocery store or what have you, we may have more of a impetus to say something versus not saying anything at all. So I think if we just talk about it, even though it's heavy and it hurts and it's ugly, it's not pretty, but then we're now able to move to a space where, okay, now we can help so that there is not a something that they go through by themselves. Dr. Hong, is that does that does that feel like it's forward movement? I I totally agree with it 
being something that is propelling forward. Um, obviously, I think that there's a lot of work in general that needs to be done. It's not something that we're going to get done in a year, in 10 years, or even in a generation. But that's the hope is that we're moving in the right direction. I, I think that um, what Dr. Pepper said earlier about just showing support, I think is insurmountable and so, so needed. I think that just my fellow AAPIs, we just need to speak up when we hear or, or when we hear about these things happening or when these injustices happen to us, we need to be more vocal about it and, and kind of follow our fellow uh, Black Americans' leads in that respect. Um, I, I don't think that one group in particular is going to solve the issue overnight. I think a lot of it is we're just we're having to work together uh, towards this collective goal. So it's not just AAPIs versus this this group or AAPIs versus this other group or blacks against this other group. It's collectively everyone's issue and it's collectively everyone's issue to solve and to work on. So how do white people help? I think it could be something as easy or neighborly as just sending a quick email or a quick text to check in. Hey, this is awful what is going on in the country right now. How are you doing? Do you want to talk? You know, just know that I'm here for you. I think that I think opens up a really big door in having that dialogue to begin with. Um, I think that there are a lot of resources out there. If you want to help, you can help. And so uh, donate to organizations that you feel are making a difference. So, um, you know, the Asian Americans Advancing Justice, so the AAJC, uh, the Stop API Hate, those are both great organizations that you can, um, you know, donate to. Um, iHollaback.org is great. They actually provide free bystander training uh, for people if they feel so inclined to um, help out if they were to witness an act of uh, racial discrimination against uh, Asians, Blacks, whatnot, and how to intervene in a safe way. Um, and all of that's free. And so I think the main thing is not having performative activism like those uh, Instagram squares, right? But but putting the work uh, and and just again, like Dr. Pepper alluded to earlier, kind of moving things forward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I think there is another component of um, educating yourself on the issues that um, the AAPI community has already been through from. Um, the World War II to um, all sorts of things that injustices that they went through that gives you context and history. One of the reasons why the theme 
that has been say less, there's a reason for that. Okay, because it worked in some instances, whereas now, since things are so much more on social media and they're just out there, it's more so we need to say something, you know, whereas before it was, okay, life or death, I'm going to be quiet. So if we educate ourselves on that, um, when you're not in the AAPI community, then it gives you more context to have empathy and to understand where they're coming from. So at the same time when we were talking about with Black Lives Matter, educate yourself. <laughs> now it's like, okay, now I have to say, okay, so I need to start looking up, okay, books on this, like audio books and look at um, different, listen to different webinars and podcasts on the same issue so that um, I'm educated in this as well, because again, it's the same sort of thing. We shouldn't put the burden of the AAPI community on them to educate us. And the same thing that we said with Black Lives Matter or last summer that it shouldn't be up to Black uh, um, uh, Americans to say, or just Black folks in general to say, okay, to educate you on their history Let's look it up and let's see for ourselves. So I think that's another component to it besides the great resources that Dr. Hong has mentioned. Also, just a commitment to educating yourself. Yeah. I also think that there needs to be a, a certain level of self-compassion because we're all learning and we're not going to get it right the first go around. But I think that understanding that this is something that is going to be continuous work, continuous learning, and um, just striving every day to work towards being a, a more understanding and inclusive person and just recognizing the humanity in others. And I, I think that's the biggest thing um, to, to realize. Um, I, I will say that just from my own personal learning, I, I highly recommend uh, The Making of Asian America by Erica Lee. That's a fantastic book. Um, it goes into detail as far as how the even the first Chinese people came to the Americas in general with the coolie trade and, um, you know, going as far back as the Chinese Exclusion Act and, and things like that. And it honestly, I think, is a very good general overview of just how a lot of Asians came to be in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And... Oh, just real quick. I just have one book that I've been, um, and it's called The Color of Success by Helen, Ellen Wu. And it talks about Asian Americans and the origin of the um, model minority and that myth. And it goes into that. So um, that's another good one that I would suggest. I've got some reading to do. <laughs> Dr. Pepper and Dr. Hong, thank you both so much for being here. You've given us so much to think about, uh, resources to go to, which is extremely helpful. And the reminder that even perhaps saying something awkwardly is better than not saying anything at all. Yes. Thank you. Thank you again, both for being here. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WL Voices. If you'd like to be part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or via our website, womeninoptometry.com, on Facebook at WL Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.